Our scripture reading uh, this morning comes from John chapter 4, uh, verse 31 through 38. I invite you to open your Bibles with me there. John chapter 4, uh, verse 31 through 38. This reading uh, comes in the midst of um, Jesus' visit to uh, a town called Sychar, which is in uh, Samaria. Jesus had been traveling with his disciples on the way from Judea uh, to Galilee. And scripture says that they had to stop by Samaria. Now, Samaria is an area where uh, the Jews don't necessarily get along with those people. Jesus is Jewish. The Samaritans are not Jewish. They don't get along. Uh, they, they have different ideas about what worship looks like, about how they're supposed to worship, uh, about who's a part of God's kingdom, God's family. Uh, and so there's already some tension that's there. Uh, so, But Jesus, you know, he's going to go there and Anyways, and so he stops in this town of Sychar. Uh, the disciples are like, you know, we've been traveling for a while. We'll go in town to get food. Uh, and so Jesus is out there by a well. A Samaritan woman uh, comes up to the well. They have this conversation. And throughout the course of this conversation, um, she begins to see and identify something in Jesus that is different. She begins to identify that perhaps this Jesus person is the Messiah, the one who God had sent into the world to save the world. And, and then they have this moment of conversation uh, where where Jesus says, you know, hey, you're starting to believe this and accept this. Uh, go tell your husband about it. And she says, well, you know, I don't really have a husband. He's like, that's right. You don't. He's like, actually, you've had like five or six already. I've lost count. And, uh, and the person that you're with isn't your husband either. And, and she says, oh, my goodness. But Jesus doesn't say it in a way that comes across as judgmental or, condom, or condemning of her situation. He says it in a way that offers her grace, that offers, offers her life. Uh, that offers her a chance to to go and do something different with her life. And so she's kind of transformed by this encounter. And so she uh, goes off to visit uh, her community, her village, and tell them about this Jesus uh, who knew everything about her. Uh, now, as she's about to head off, the disciples, they come up to Jesus. And the first question is, Jesus, why were you talking with her? Jesus is like, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Uh, and then they uh, tell Jesus, hey, we've got some food for you. And this is, this is the conversation that we see between Jesus and the disciples. Uh, so it says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, urging Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more than comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Uh, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. And so the disciples uh, enter into this picture thinking about the material needs uh, that Jesus might have, thinking about their own material needs that they have. What is it that gives life strength? What is it that sustains us throughout life? And Jesus takes the conversation and he redirects it. And he begins to point out there's a spiritual aspect of life in which we really find strength. The, the spiritual aspect of life in which we really find peace, that we really find the life 
that we're looking for. He says it's to do the will of my father. And then he begins to lay out for them what the will of the father is. And so there's kind of two, two things that I want us to hear in this this morning. One is that distinction between uh, the material that the disciples are bringing to Jesus and the spiritual uh, food that he offers to them. And then what it looks like to do the will of the one who sent us, as Jesus says, uh, we have. And, and I think this, this word that Jesus offers to the disciples, you know, this suggestion that truly living isn't based on material things, but is a spiritual matter, is something that's an important message for our time. When Jesus says, my food is to do the will of one who sent me and to complete his work, that's something that we need to hear within our day and age, especially in light of or in wake of the hurricane that has passed through. If we are living uh, based off of material things, if we are finding our, our strength and peace in the material things, if that's what we're looking for to provide our sense of uh, sustenance, our sense of peace within this life, the things that we own and possess, then it's got to be hard to be truly living right now. You know, one of the, you know, common questions that we ask when we see people is, you know, you say, how are you doing? And a lot of times I'll meet somebody, hey, so-and-so, you know, how are you doing? And then, of course, the response is, how are you doing? And if I'm honest in my response right now, most of the time I'm saying, I'm okay. I mean, I'm not great. (laughs) Things aren't great. I'm not bad either. Uh, I'm okay. And what this means for me is that, uh, you know, it kind of points out this distinction between the material and the spiritual. Uh, For me, uh, this response, I'm okay, means that uh, there's, you know, not a lot of good things going on around us. From a material possessions point of view, there is a lot of hurt and pain in the community around us. You know, as you drive through the community, you see blue tarp. And while blue tarps are uh, sometimes an expression of hope, like maybe this thing is going to get fixed, uh, it's also a reminder of the trauma that we've endured. Uh, it's it's kind of like a band-aid, I think. Uh, my my five-year-old daughter, she or six, she's six now. Gosh, okay, my six-year-old daughter uh, has the time. It does fly. Thanks. I just want her to stay five forever, right? No. Um, my my six-year-old daughter, she had this little scab or something on, a wound on her leg. And she thought it had healed up. It had scabbed over. Well, something happened and it got scraped off. And she started wailing. This is just, you know, yesterday. And I thought I was going to have to take her to the hospital. I thought that she had broken her arm or something. And it's just, oh no, you know, my, my scab came off. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, you know, you clean it up and you put a Band-Aid on it. You know, the Band-Aid is a sign of hope, right? This, this can get better. We can, we can cover over it, we can protect it, uh, and it can get better. But it's also that sign that there's a wound that's there, right? That there's this point of pain in her life that's still somewhat fresh. You poke it and it still hurts. I mean, I think a tarp is kind of like that. I think, you know, being in this room to worship is kind of like that. You know, we're, we're grateful that we have this space. We're grateful that we have this space where we can gather and worship. Uh, but it's also a reminder that we're not in our, our sanctuary. We're not in uh, the place that we've become accustomed to, uh, the place where many of us have experienced and encountered Christ before. And so when we look at the material situation of the world around us, there's, there's pain, there's hurt. Uh, we've seen a lot of people struggling with the storm, uh, even with a part of our church family. In different ways, we all kind of have our own struggles with it. Uh, There are people in our church community and then people who are out in the community around us who've been displaced by the storm, whether you know they can't go back to their house, they can't go back to their condo, they can't go back to their mobile home. People have been 
pushed out. There's pain. There's hurt that's there. Uh, There's people around us who have a lot of different needs that have come up because of the storm. And so as we think about all of these things, as we experience them within our own lives, like there's this way it, it breaks your heart. I mean, where where our uh, material world around us, you know, it, it's it's not good. It's it's still full of pain. But when people say, "How are you doing?" and I say, "Okay, uh, yeah, I'm acknowledging these things are not good." But me saying I'm okay uh, is for me a way of being able to say, "You know what? This, this is not good, but it's still well with my soul." Right, that that even though the world around me is is a mess, right? Even though sorrows like sea billows roll, like I could say that it is well with my soul. I have stress, I have anxiety, like I assume most of us have, but but I'm at peace because I know that God is with me. Uh, I'm at peace because I know that as a church community, as a church fellowship, I know that God is with us. I could have a a peace that passes understanding because I know that God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And that even in the midst of difficulty, even in the midst of challenge, there's hope. I, I, I believe, right, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can give us power to endure whatever comes our way, that, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means I can endure whatever situation comes about. And so when I say I'm okay, it's to say, you know what? The material things around us are are in bad shape. It's going to take a while. But I can have peace because I I find my strength, I find my hope, I find that peace not in material possessions, but in the spiritual food that comes from doing the will of the Father. I, I find my peace in taking time to read the scriptures, not just showing up on Sunday, But Monday through Saturday, reading God's word, listening to his voice, encountering Christ in the scriptures, uh, to take time to pray Monday through Saturday, right? To give God thanks for the good that exists in my world, to give God thanks that we still have the opportunity to live. There's so many ways in which we can see God's blessings, to pray and to say, you know, God, there's still these needs, and to cast my cares and my anxieties on him, trusting that he cares for me, to take time to listen to his voice. That is the spiritual food that gives us the strength that we need. And then to try to figure out, as Jesus says, how to do the will of the one who has saved us and sent us. That's, that's the only place where we can find that ability to be able to say, I'm okay. Or even for some to be able to say, I'm good. But more than that, to be able to say it as well with my soul. Because our hope, our peace can't be found in the material circumstances of what's going on around us. It only comes through the food that the Father gives. And so, in contrast, I, I have a neighbor, and I'm not trying to pick on him. Uh, I like him as a neighbor, uh, but he's having a hard time with the, uh, all the effects of the storm and what's going on around him. Uh, the other day, maybe a couple weeks ago, uh, he was out walking through the neighborhood, and there were some other people who were walking around as well, and so they all stopped uh, on the street corner to have a conversation. And as they're talking, uh, one of the other people says, you know what, hey, we still have a lot to be thankful for. 
And my neighbor got mad. He, he, he went off. He got in the guy's face and he started chasing him down the street. He's like, no, we don't. Like, you can't come around here and say that. He was so upset and furiated because he had experienced, you know, his own hurt and pain and he was not at a place of peace. And, and I just thought, you know, when, when our, when our strength comes from the material things around us, it's hard to find a place of being thankful. When our peace comes from our material possessions, when, when we think about food and what gives us sustenance and we go immediately to the material things around us, we're going to be at a place where we lose patience. We're going to be at a place where we don't have peace because all of that, when it gets broken, when it gets damaged, whenever it gets hurt, it affects us internally. And if you're feeling like my neighbor, I, I get it. I get it, but I'd suggest that you're perhaps looking too much to the material for your hope and, and for your peace. And you will always be hungry if you are looking for the world to fill you up. You'll always be hungry if you're looking for the world to fill you up. But if you focus on the, the spiritual, right? if you want to be well, then you have to take that time to be fed by God's word, to take everything to him in prayer, and to trust that he is working. You have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus to do the will of the one who has saved you, who has called you, and who sends you. And it's when we're following in his will that we find that peace like a river, love like a fountain, joy like an ocean welling up within our souls. And so as Jesus is pointing his disciples to the, the spiritual matters at hand, the reality of the, the, their need to have that spiritual food, Jesus begins to teach them also what it means to do the will of the one who has sent them. And, and surely God's will is for us to attend to our, the spiritual matters, uh, but God's will also has to do with uh, the people who live around us. Uh, Jesus says, right, the, the greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right to, to be attuned to the, the needs of our own hearts and our connection with God. He says the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think there could be a lot of discussion about what that looks like and what that means, but, but I think Jesus gives us the most accurate description of what it means to love our neighbor whenever he uh, tells us, uh, shows us the Father's heart, when he shows us God's desire for us. In John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world. Right, And so if we love the people around us, then this might be something for us to listen to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Right, The father's heart is that all people would come to know him, that all people would have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, that everybody would have that forgiveness of sins, that gift of salvation, the hope of eternal life that comes to us through Jesus. That's what it means when we talk about God's love. God so loved the world. So if we're going to love our neighbors, then to follow in the will of the Father, to follow the, uh, the Father's desire for the world around us would mean that we also point people towards Jesus. Right? When Jesus is saying that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself, he's suggesting uh, not that we only strive to meet material needs, though it is loving to give somebody who's hungry food, it's loving to give somebody who's thirsty water, uh, but he's instructing us to meet the, the deeper spiritual needs of the people around us. That we offer them the Jesus who came to save them from their sins. The, the Jesus who came to give them peace with God so that they might have peace within their souls. Because the material stuff will pass away. But the, but the spiritual food 
that God gives us, that God gave Christ for the world to feast on, will last forever. And so Jesus, is, he says to his disciples, uh, and I think he might say to us as well, look around you. See how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. Now, as Jesus is talking with the disciples, they're still in Samaria. Uh, they're still in this place, but Jesus is saying, hey, don't look at the place where you're at and, and push them away or, or say they're too far gone or they're too far out. He says, look at them the way that I see them. Look at them as people whom God loves that I came to save and look and see that they are ready, that they are starving, that they want truth within their life, that they are looking for hope and peace and that you can offer that to them in me. Jesus is talking with the disciples and he knows that the people are ready to hear the truth. He's seen it as he's demonstrated his love and his grace towards this Samaritan woman and he's seen her respond. Now looking through human eyes, the disciples wouldn't have noticed that uh, these people were ready for the good news of Jesus. Uh, Human eyes would have seen the Samaritan woman as somebody who's living an immoral life. I mean, the disciples questioned why Jesus would even be speaking to her. But looking through God's eyes, Jesus sees a woman who needs him. He sees a woman who is tired of living in condemnation and shame. God's eyes saw her through love. Jesus sees her with the love of God that desires for her to experience salvation. And so he begins to tell her the truth about where she might find life and that she could find it in him. And so Jesus invites us to follow in his footsteps and to do the same for the people around us. I think if we're paying attention, we we can see that the season that we're living in is a time when people are starving for hope and peace. People are desperate for someone or something that's going to give them rest for their weary souls. People are searching for a savior. Now, a lot of times people look for salvation uh, in uh, a lot of the, a lot of wrong places, right? Looking for love in all the wrong places. We're, we're, we're looking for a savior in all of the wrong places. Oftentimes people look to the material to save them. We look to jobs to save us. We look to politicians to save us, right? I mean, one of the, one of the major themes on either side for the election that we're in now is that this might determine the future of our country if there's going to be a country, right? I mean, it's, it's so, uh, dark. It's so fearful and anxious driven. It's like, if I don't do something, you know, what's going to happen? I need this politician to come and save uh, my country, to save my world. We look to people to save us. Or, I mean, the alternative would be to, to place it in God's hands and live faithfully for him. Uh, but so we look to jobs to save us. We look to politicians. We look for affirmation from others to save us. Um, maybe not so much in this crowd, but in some of our other crowds. You know, we're, people are on social media trying to get the, the likes and the follows. And I, and I post this and how many people are going to like it? How many people, you know, might share it? Uh, you know, we, we look for affirmation in so many places from others. Uh, in order to find salvation, in order to find peace, we, we look to the stock market to save us. And we, we look to the Powerball to save us. We look for hope and salvation in all of these places and material goods when Jesus has given us the message that truly saves us. 
It's in Christ that we find the strength, the peace, and the hope that we need. It's the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection where people can truly experience and find salvation, a Savior. And what's amazing is that Jesus tells us, he says, the harvest is ready to go out and reap. Others have already sown the seeds. Others have already labored, and now we just go out and we join in the labor that's already been done. And I think this is the part of Jesus' words that speak even louder to us on this All Saints Sunday. Because there are so many great saints who have come before us who have done that work of plowing the fields and planting seeds and watering. There are so many saints in the 61-year history of this church who have been active in this community, who have been loving people, who have been serving others, who have been living lives worthy of the calling of Jesus. There's been so many seeds that have been planted in this community by people doing the will of the one who sent them. And Jesus is now calling us in this moment, in this time, to go out into those fields, to go out into our neighborhoods, and to remind people that it's all been done in the name of Jesus. It's all been done because Jesus loves you and so do we. And you can experience and know his hope and his peace. The seeds have been planted and we're invited to go out and to to reap the harvest. We're invited to go out and to to tell others about what Jesus has done for us. To point out and and show and share, hey, these are the ways that God has made a difference in my life. These are the ways that, that I can have peace now, even in the midst of all the turmoil around me, because God gives me that, that strength, because he's a refuge. Uh, he's a strong tower that I can run into and, and be saved. We can go and we can tell others about the reason why it is that we serve, about the reason why it is that we give of ourselves to love others. It's because of the God who first loved us and gave himself for us. So every encounter that we have is an opportunity for us to make an impact, an opportunity for us to to faithfully witness to who Christ is, to live as one who has been sent, to do the will of the Father who sends us. Help tell them about the good news of Jesus through our words and through our actions. In some places, you know, we'll be harvesting where others have labored. In some places, we'll be planting the seeds uh, that we might not see come to bear fruit. But somebody generations from now will be able to come along and point somebody to Jesus. And so I would invite us as we go about our weeks, as we go about our days, to see the people around us as people who Jesus loves, to see them through God's eyes, to, to allow his compassion and the courage of the Holy Spirit to move us out uh, into places where we might be able to tell people about this Jesus who loves them and who died for them, who rose again for their sake and for ours. Let us pray together. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks for this hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ, that we do have the forgiveness of sins through his life, death, and resurrection, that there is a life that awaits us where we can be fully present with you. And so we pray that you would strengthen us as your people. May we find our peace in you so that we might be able to offer the peace of Christ to others. Lord, give us that compassion for those who are distant and disconnected from you, from people who don't yet know you as their Savior. Give us the words to say so that we might be able to share what you've done in our lives with others around us. Help us to point people towards you through our words and our actions, and we'll give you all the honor and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.